Let's talk a little more about the unseen battle that's taking place today. Matthew chapter 4. We get some insight into a little more of the strategy and the activity of Satan and his demons using our flesh, the world, and the direct temptation of Satan and his demons himself. I don't know where Satan is. I don't know where in the world he is residing today. I don't know where his headquarters is, but he's not everywhere at one time. He doesn't have that ability. But I do know that he has his operators close by. He has someone assigned to our area. He has someone assigned, I believe, to our church. I believe he has someone assigned to all the spiritual activities that's taking place here in this side of Parker County. And we would be naive to think otherwise because he seeks to destroy all the works of Christ, all the works of our Father, all the works of the church in this world, particularly against the mission work, particularly against the evangelism work, particularly against the discipleship work. He, he doesn't like worship. He can't stand worshiping Jesus with all of our heart. He can't stand it when people are baptized. He can't stand it when people make decisions to live for Christ unapologetically. He goes to work. He does all he can. And in verses 1 and 2, we see that Satan uses circumstances. Verse 1, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This is immediately after his baptism. He came to be baptized by John to fulfill all righteousness, to show the way. And after that baptism experience, after the Spirit fell on him like a dove, after that took place, then Jesus was led by the Spirit, by the Lord, into the wilderness away from people, to be tempted by the devil. That's quite interesting, isn't it? So there's purpose in that temptation. There's purpose in Jesus being tempted by Satan. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15, 14, 15, and 16, we see a little bit of that purpose. It says, We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that, me, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So this was the work of God to let Jesus demonstrate his understanding of all of our temptations so that we understand, so that we know that we have a high priest that understands what we go through, understands our temptations, understands how we get to where we get when it comes to temptation. And so, Satan 
uses circumstances. And the Spirit of the Lord set this circumstance up. That's important for us to understand. Satan uses all circumstances. Here we have 40 days in the wilderness without food. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. He was hungry. Don't want to make too much of that, but he wasn't thirsty. He was hungry. He wasn't tempted with water. He was tempted with food. And so the circumstance was physical hunger. 40 days is a long time without peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Long time. 40 days. Obviously, he was hungry. Circumstances. The high school team wins the state championship, and some of the players will never be the same. We say, well, of course, they're champions. No, Satan will use that championship to tempt one, two, three families, players, with a pride that defeats any opportunity to come to the Lord in an easy way. Fella gets a promotion at work. I mean a big promotion. That promotion is big money. That promotion changes his whole world. Gives him more power. Gives him more, you know, a high reputation with his peer group. That promotion ruins that man. That promotion leads to cheating on his wife. That promotion leads to having power in other areas. That promotion leads to gambling. That promotion leads to drinking too much. That promotion takes him away from being the father to his children. That's what Satan does. When he was humble, when that man was a hard worker and working hard to get somewhere, he was in the home, he was the husband to his wife, a good husband to his wife. He was a good dad to his children. But then he got that promotion and everything changed. What happened? Satan saw opportunity. And Satan says, this fella has a weakness with pride. And, and he was, his, his pride was under control when he was humble. When, when he saw everyone else in the neighborhood driving better trucks than he did, when, when he saw everybody else in his fraternity having better jobs than he had, he was under wraps, he was under control. But when he got that new job, when he got that promotion, when he got more money, when he got those big access to those big bonuses, when he started traveling around first class, when he started experiencing this life that he just dreamed of, Satan used it as a great opportunity. He wasn't hungry in the desert for 40 days, but he, he arrived and all his dreams were fulfilled. And Satan says, all right, we've got him right where we want him. Now let's ruin him. And if we ruin him, 
We're going to cause trouble in his family. We're going to cause trouble with all his friends. We're going to cause trouble with his, his mom and his dad and his uncles and his aunts. We're going to cause a great conflict. And one of the best things that's going to happen is because that guy got that promotion and he's so weak when it comes to being prideful and now he has an opportunity to be out of control with pride, they'll never have a family reunion again. They'll get mad at each other. When grandma dies, they'll argue at the funeral all because that one guy got a promotion. That's how Satan works. That's how Satan works. Satan finds opportunity that's going to do the most damage. And he goes after it. He goes after it with a reckless abandon. He comes after people. He, he, he is like a laser beam going after people to destroy them to harm them, to hurt them, to destroy their testimony, to destroy their family, to destroy their world. Today, young couples look at their finances. They look at their situation, and, and they think that old boy loves them. And she looks at that old boy and says, I think he loves me. I think he's going to take care of me. That old boy's promising the world to her. You know, getting married is a commitment we don't need to make right now. We don't have the money to do it, but it's really foolish, isn't it, that we have two apartments. Let's just have one apartment. If we just have one apartment, we can save the rent on the other apartment. It sounds good. Satan hears that. Satan takes notice of that. And what does he do? Oh, it'd be all right. Just be quiet about it. Don't tell anybody. I mean, if your mom and dad get upset about it, they'll get over it. You know, it's the right thing to do. I mean, after all, if you love each other, what difference does it make? Did you know that all of Europe is like that now? It's an amazing thing. People in Europe don't get married. The Portuguese guys that we minister to in our football camps, they don't get married. They just live with each other for a while, and then something happens, and, you know, if they don't like the tater tot casserole she makes, you move on. No commitment, no loyalty. Oh, the damage it causes. Satan, he works in those ways. And so, in the circumstances here, Satan finds Jesus in the desert. He hadn't had food for 40 days, and he sees opportunity. Satan knows that this is a big deal. Satan understands much of what's happening here. He obviously doesn't understand everything. He is definitely led by pride. He is definitely out of control with a desire to be something that he can never be. He can never be like, be like God. That's the reason we have Satan in this world, being the prince of the world. That's why he was kicked out of heaven, because he tried to take over. He wanted to be like God. And so he is warped. He's delusional. He doesn't understand God is God. He'll never be able to whoop God. But, but if he understands that, then he has resigned himself, that although he'll never be able to be God, he can sure cause lots of problems along the way. I may not win this game, but I bet we can hurt that quarterback if we'll get after it. Mindset. I don't know for sure that we're going to win this battle, 
But by George, we're going to hurt people along the way. And so Satan sees great opportunity. Three temptations, three different areas that he went after Jesus with. And the tempter came in verse four, 3, excuse me, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, he knows he's the Son of God. Boy, that's arrogant, isn't he? Ah, oh, don't you just want to smash him? What? Man, you know on the playground when all them angels were in elementary school, he was so obnoxious. He needed to be whooped. He needed to have teachers turn their back and let that boy take a whooping. If you are the son of God. If you are the son. Can you see him? If you are the son of God. Which, you know, what a moron. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Hungry, ain't you? If you're the son of God, why don't you, there's a lot of stones around here you can eat for days here. I bet you can have you some wheat bread, some rye bread, some sourdough bread here. You can have all that going for you. You can have that babka bread. Them Jews like that babka bread. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. He's going after his hunger. It's material over spiritual. That's how he attacks Jesus. Material, the physical, over the spiritual. He does the same thing today. He comes after us and he says, focus more on how things look. Focus on your bank account. Focus on your health more than spiritual. Focus on, on image more than the spiritual. That's what he's doing here. Man, you can get your hunger fulfilled if you'll just turn these rocks to bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know what Jesus told Satan? No. Jesus told Satan, no. Nah. Get. No. Not gonna. Not gonna do it. And he tells him no with the word of God. You know how we defeat Satan? By saying no with the word of God. No, it's written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. All right, first temptation handled. We move along. Satan goes, all right, number one, strike one. God loves baseball. Three temptations, three strikes are out. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, perhaps 120 foot tall. The pinnacle of the temple, the highest part of the temple, 10 stories, 12 stories tall. That's a big deal. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. They went there. Did they go there physically or did they go there in, in visually? Don't know. Perhaps physically. Because he had a chance to jump. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Jump. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, Psalm 91, 11. 
He will command his angels concerning you. He's not going to let nothing happen to you. If you are the Son of God, nothing's going to happen to you. If you are the Son of God, God is going to send angels, and they're going to cushion your fall. They're going to sweep down. We understand like Superman or like Spider-Man and, and just soften the fall and take you and put you where you need to be. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. Jump. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. But I'm telling you, you're all right. You've got it made. If you are the Son of God, nothing can happen to you. That's what he says. If you are the Son of God, you'll never be sacrificed. If you are the Son of God, you'll never be harmed. If you are the Son of God, nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. You're going to have a, you're going to, you're going to have a rose garden. You're going to have peace. Your way is going to be so wonderful. It's going to be an amazing life you have. Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. This comes from the Israelites being out in the wilderness. They leave the Red Sea, they leave Egypt, cross the Red Sea, and they're out there. And a few days later, they've been they've been given water all the way along. There's a bunch of them. They need a lot of water, and they find themselves in a place that's later called Massah because they have no water there, and they get angry. They are mad at God. They are mad at Moses because he led them out here and God took them out there. And they are absolutely just beside themselves, griping and complaining against Moses and against the Lord. And the Lord just says, just touch that rock. He touches the rock and there's enough water for everybody to drink. It ain't no big deal to God. And they learn the valuable lesson at this point. You know, you people need to grow to the point where you don't put God to the test. I mean, who do you think you are? That's, that's the idea here. You mean to tell me that God has got to prove himself to you? That's the temptation about putting God to the test. I just don't believe in God. Why not? Well, because of the world situation. I mean, let's face it. If God were God, the world would not be like it is. Who made you God? Who gives you the right to think those things? I mean, you've got to be kidding me. God is God, and you're going, you're going to question God? You, and he said, if God is God, then why don't he just show himself? I mean, if God is God, give me water. If God is God, provide for me. If God is God, why don't he just change all this stuff in this world. Why don't he give us all we need if God is God? That's testing God. I mean, it's pretty arrogant, but it's definitely where Satan is. It's pretty arrogant, but it's definitely a struggle that many people have, and it's definitely a result of the temptation of God, that the attack that God makes on this world, and it says, life shouldn't be like this if God existed and if you're going to, you know, you've got to prove to me that God exists. Moses said, he delivered us from the Pharaoh. That was a miracle. Only God could do that. 
He took us across the Red Sea. Remember the Red Sea? Remember it parted? And when it parted, we walked across on dry land. And remember that we had cloud by day, fire by night. And remember we camped and when the Egyptians were coming, he put fire between us and them. And he protected us. We got to sleep. And you remember that he took care of us. He's provided food. He's provided water. This is not an easy place to live. And we're still living in this place. And you, you, you mean to tell me that God has got to prove himself to you? That's where this idea comes from, that we are not to put the Lord God to the test. It undermines God. It demeans God. It elevates us over God. But that's what Satan wants. He wants us to make the same mistake he made. That's what's going on here. Again, the devil in verse 8. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world with their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jack Black said that Led Zeppelin sold their souls to Satan. Because there's no way in the world anyone would have those kinds of heavenly jams if it wasn't for Satan. It's a joke he made, but probably believes it. And he made the statement with Led Zeppelin in the audience. He said, but it's worth it, isn't it? Because, you know, while you're in hell, we will enjoy your heavenly jams for all of life. Sell yourself to the devil and get everything. Right? That's been, that's been a story forever, hadn't it? You're at the crossroads. You sell your soul to the devil, and you're able to make more money in the stock market than anybody else. You're able to invent things like no one else. You're able to, that's, that's in the mindset of people. And here's where it began. He puts him up there on the top of the world, highest point of the mountain, and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and says, if you'll just worship me, you'll have all this. Interesting, where Jesus has been and what he's seen is the same place Satan has been, and he's seen it as well. And he still throws it out there. Let me tell you something. His third and final temptation, it's what he believed to be the best. And he's still throwing that temptation out there. Life is better without God. Have you heard people say, you know, I'll consider God, but right now I want to sow my wild oats. I want to live it up for a while. I want to do my own thing. That's been around for a long time, isn't it? You know, I can just get by with this. This will elevate me. This will just provide for me. And this will take me to where I want to be if I just, you know, engage in this activity for a while. And then, you know, I'll get things kind of ironed out. 
Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written. He said, No. He said, No. Be gone. Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. I think that the bread they bought with them was unbelievable. I think they sat him down, and whatever he wanted, he had. Some fish, steak, ribeye, baked potato. Live it up. Live it up. They did a survey, they being the people that do surveys, the Barner people and stuff like that. And they asked Christian people, When Satan attacks, where does he attack you? And they gave the top eight or nine places in people's lives today where they believe Satan attacks. Materialism was number one. Materialism was number one. I got to work on Sunday so I can make more money. Number two, pride. Pride. We won the state championship. We're better than other people. When I drive my car in Weatherford and see those blue kangaroos on the back of those cars, I think about how wonderful it is that I've got the mad A on the back of mine. They're below us. You know that, right? They're beneath. How many state championships they won? We I didn't play. I wasn't even in the band, but I live in the right place. Self-centeredness, selfishness, taking care of me, presenting me, pushing me, laziness. Interesting, isn't it? Laziness. Anger and bitterness. Boy, it's one of his favorites. You know, he doesn't manufacture circumstances that doesn't appear. He just takes advantage of what's, a, what's laid out before him. I mean, there's enough circumstances to go to work on in our world. Lose a job. Get sick. Right? Make less money. Conflict. Difficulty. Trials. All these things take place. And he just sits back and he says, you ought to be angry about that. She didn't pay you attention. She didn't speak to you properly. You ought to become bitter about that. Right? Bitterness. Oh, bitterness is a big one, isn't it? Oh, how, how are we going to get to old Lee with this situation? Make him bitter. Make him bitter. Make you bitter. You struggle with bitterness? Maybe you're rocking along, things are going good, and something happens that just causes problems, you know? And what does Satan do? Bitterness, throw bitterness in there. Speak to their ears, speak to their heart, speak to their mind. Tell them, this, God must not love you or this wouldn't have happened. Make them bitter. And then orchestrate things where people come their lives that they're going to believe have things so much better than them. Bitterness. Oh, bitterness. So how come you dropped out of our Bible study group? You know, time just got to me. Baloney, bitterness. They got bitter. 
because old George showed up and he said, I got a praise. What praise you got? I got a promotion at work and I'm making lots more money now. And then the next week he drives up in a brand new car and then he gets a brand new boat and then he takes his wife to Bala Bala for a vacation. And you sit there and what does Satan do? Bitter. I ain't going back to that Bible study. I ain't going to serve the Lord no more. Why? Because not, you, they can't point out because of bitterness. That's what he does. Sexual lust. Man, it's all over the place. Sexual lust on the internet, on the phones, on the TV, in the movies, in the documentaries, just over and over and over. You know what Satan has done today? Fellas, listen to me. And, and, and ladies, listen to me. I guess you've got to go both ways, but I'm a fella. It's hard for me to talk to the girls about this, but let me talk to everybody about this. All right. Did you know that today that men wrongly think that unless their sexual experiences with their wife is like Glory Roberts, Julia Roberts, and Humpy Bodunk, or whoever that is, on TV, on that movie, that when you were watching, you wish you weren't on that one scene, and he sits there and he goes, oh my gosh, now that's real. That's, that's the way it's supposed to be right there. And then... He thinks about how it is for him and his world. Julia Roberts is make-believe. Now, if you'll look closely at Julia Roberts, she's not that good looking. Her lips are too big, her nose, her nostrils, one's bigger than the other. And, and, and now that you've got HD magnified by 10, get up close. I see people online, get up there close to that TV and go, she had zits when she was a kid. But when we had the old TV with the three stations with the antenna and the makeup, you didn't know she had zits. You thought she was beautiful. But one of her nostrils is a little bit bigger than the other. Listen, when you see people on TV, I'm telling you, no one's noses are the same size in the nostrils. Mine's a little different. You see that? It's not symmetrical. Nothing is symmetrical. And I'm pretty, right? No. No. Yeah. And Satan goes, your love life is just not like it should be. She don't love you. He don't love you. It's not Camelot. You're supposed to have the unreal Camelot. Envy. Oh, gluttony. You know, obviously I'm a glutton. Obviously I have a weakness. Obviously I got a problem. And for me, Satan knows what to do and how to do it. And he knows how to get me defeated. And he knows how to wear me out. And he does it with bluebell ice cream. I can't, oh my gosh, Lord have mercy. That stuff is just so good. And for me, gluttony, you can see it, right? Now, I can have pride and I can hide it. Sometimes you can't see it. I can be self-centered and kind of, I can have the sexual lust issue. I can even have some of the bitterness, but you're going to see that. But gluttony, man, everyone can see if you're a glutton. Satan goes at work with that, man. He knows weakness. 
I mean, I would have overeaten if I was with Jesus the 40 days and 40 nights out there. I said, let's stay here a while and keep on eating. Lying. 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 Satan uses lying. Now, they found out in their survey they made that temptations were more potent when the time alone with God had been neglected. It's just hard to catch up when something happens and Satan comes and tempts us as a result of what's happened. It's hard to catch up with that relationship with Almighty God when our time with God has been neglected. We haven't been praying. We haven't been in His Word. We haven't been in contact with the people of God. We're not accountable. The temptation comes, and it's more potent than it ought to be. And then, of course, they said, and I believe this with all my heart, I think this is equally second to being out of fellowship with the Lord, and that is tired, tired. Jesus was tired. He was hungry. He was tired. Physically, emotionally, spiritually tired. When we are physically, emotionally, and spiritually wore out, the the temptations of Satan are more potent. They said in this survey, four things that they said needs to happen for you to be able to resist Satan. 84% of them said, no question prayer. You got to pray. You got to pray. You got to say no, and you got to pray. 76 says, avoiding areas of your life that you're likely to be tempted. Don't go to the Chinese buffet. (laughs) If drinking's it, don't go to the bar, right? If, If it's sexual lust, don't get on the pornography site. I mean, it's just simple, isn't it? Stay away from those areas of likely temptation. 66 says, got to be in the Word. Bible reading, no question about that. That's what Jesus is doing. And 52% said that they were more likely to resist temptation if they were in a small group. You know why? They're accountable. They're accountable. Temptation, it's real. The battle is real. Satan is after you. He's after you. He wants to make you bitter. He wants to make you angry. He wants you to be out of control with lust. He wants to massage your pride. He wants to make you thirst after things. The bright and the shinies. Got to have it, got to have it, got to have it. What does it do? It takes you away from focusing on the important things of life. Envy, gluttony, lying. Some area, some area. Now, I can go through this area and go, a little bit of that, not much of that, a little bit of that, not much of that, a lot of that, not much of that, right? And you can go through the same list and go, not me, not me. Matter of fact, as I went through this, I may not have mentioned one area of weakness that you struggle with that Satan would attack you, but you know it's there, and it's time to, you know, batten down the hatches, Get ready for battle, sound the alarm, and spend time in prayer. Be connected with a small group for your life, for your well-being. 
focus on what really matters. Get the priorities in line and, and put yourself in a position so that when Satan tempts you, know I will only serve God. Know I will only eat the spiritual food. Know I am not going to fall victim to wanting those things. I'm going to be unfettered in my faithfulness to God. There is a battle. And Satan goes to work in our circumstances. Heavenly Father, help us to be stronger today. Help us to be faithful today. Help us, Lord, to be able to say no when Satan comes and tempts. Just pray, Lord, that you go to work today and may your spirit just speak to us and we leave stronger than when we came in because of your word, because of your spirit's work. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers.